In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Tonight, our Bible study from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 27. And this Gospel is one of the very important Gospel uh, uh, chapters, uh, because it discusses the trial of our Lord Jesus Christ, as well as His crucifixion. The chapter is six, 66 verses, so we'll do half of it, maybe around verse 32, verse 33, so we'll do half of it today, God willing. Uh, the outline of the chapter, in this chapter we read about the events leading to the crucifixion and the cruelty and insult that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered before his actual death on the cross and on the cross in the ninth hour. Uh, overview of the chapter the Jews were prevented by law from carrying out execution. That's why the religious leaders sent the Lord Jesus Christ to Pilate who condemned him to be crucified. Meanwhile, in the same time, Judas returned the betrayal money and hanged himself. Then we read in the same chapter about how our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified between two uh, thieves and the Lord Jesus Christ yielded up his spirit on the ninth hour. His body was buried in Joseph's tomb, uh, secured by Roman guards. So this is actually overview of the chapter. We'll start reading it verse by verse. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. The Lord actually uh, was tried six trials, three civil trials and three religious trials. The three religious trials, two of them were done by night, one before Hanan and the other one before Qiyafah. And these were informal trials, because according to the Jewish law, they cannot try anybody by night. So these two religious trials were uh, informal. The formal religious trial, that is the one we read in verse 1, in the morning the chief priests and the scribes gathered together and they decided to take the Lord Jesus Christ to Pilate. So the three trials, two informal and one formal, one before Hanan, the other before Qiyafah, and the third one before the Sanhedrin. But the Lord Jesus Christ was tried also three civil trials, one before Pilate. And when Pilate knew he is from Galilee, he sent him to Herod. Then Herod actually uh, did not was not able actually to get a word from the Lord Jesus Christ so he sent him back to Pilate so the Lord actually also was tried three civil trials two before Pontius Pilate and one before him so in the morning the chief priests with the elders and the scribes took counsel how they might persuades the governor, Pontius Pilate, to put him to death. Cleophas, in the morning, called the full council of the Sanhedrin, 
And they again put the question to the Lord Jesus Christ and commanded him to tell them if he were Christ, the Son of God, as we read in Luke chapter 22, verse 70. And the Lord said, yes, he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the Son of God. Why they asked him this question? The purpose was to confirm the previous decision that was taken in the informal trials before Qiyafa and before Hanan, that he blasphemed because he put himself equal to God. And probably to determine on the next step to be taken. So the council ended and they made conclusion to send our Lord Jesus Christ to Pontius Pilate and to leave to Pontius Pilate the responsibility to punish the Lord Jesus Christ. As I told you, the Jewish people were not allowed to, to kill anybody according to the Roman law because the power of death was taken from them. That's why they could not exercise it by themselves. Or at least to exercise it, they should get a permission from the Roman governor. They took him very early in the morning because it was a feast day and they feared an uproar among the people. They wanted him to die a more infamous death on the cross. Why? So people, they will take him outside Jerusalem and crucify him there. So it will be done without any uproar away from the crowd. Otherwise, they might perhaps have stoned him to death as they did with St. Stephen afterwards. But because they were afraid of the uproar and the reaction of the people, that's why they wanted him to be crucified. They refused to stone him because they did not want to turn him into a martyr in the mind of the people. Uh, being crucified, it is very shameful. And according to the Jewish law, who is crucified is accursed. So they did not want to turn him into a ma martyr in the mind of the people. They needed the Roman Empire to condemn the Lord Jesus Christ as a common criminal and execute him to discredit the Lord Jesus Christ with the people. Uh, so they wanted Pontius Pilate to pronounce very soon the sentence of death on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they went to Pontius Pilate and told him that unanimously they agreed that he deserves death. So they hindered anybody from even defending the Lord Jesus Christ. While the Lord Jesus Christ was tried in front of the Sanhedrin, he was free. But after they finished the religious trial, uh, they bound him, as we read in verse 2. And when they had bound him, they bound him as a guilty person, guilty of death, and they took him to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was a member 
of the Roman class and he ruled Judea as the Roman governor since 26 AD. He was both military and civil commander. He lived in Caesarea but he used to come to Jerusalem at the Passover feast in order to preserve order in Jerusalem. He was to become the second longest ruling governor of the province because uh, he was relieved of his duty in year 36 AD. Then actually, St. Matthew interrupted the story by telling us about Judas. Verse 3, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Usually when I read, then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, I ask myself, what Judas expected? He betrayed him and he delivered him to the hand of uh, the soldiers. Definitely he would be condemned. So why it was like a surprise to him? One of the explanations that Judas knew that Jesus is powerful. Many times they wanted to kill him, like one time, as we read in the Gospel of St. Luke, they wanted actually to throw him over the cliff. But Jesus disappeared from among them. So, in Judas' mind, if he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ and delivered him in the hand of the soldiers, the Lord would be able to save himself as he saved himself before. So what would happen? Judas will get the money and the Lord would save himself. So in his mind, this was a win-win situation. He gets the money and the Lord saved himself. That's why I'm sure Judas was impressed by the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived with him three years. I'm sure Judas uh, knew the kindness <coughs> and the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why when Judas saw that he was condemned, he was not expecting this. That's why he was merciful, remorseful. So here Judas suddenly seems to regret his actions and is concerned about the consequences of what he has done in condemning an innocent man and how it might affect his own life. Then actually he took the money and he tries to return the money back. But we did not read that he pleaded with them for the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He just returned the money. But we did not read that he plead with them for the Lord's life. Uh, Judas perished not because of his betrayal, but because he did not repent. He should know from the time that he spent with the Lord Jesus Christ that the remedy for his sin is confession 
and repentance. Judas needed to have faith in Christ as God, as a Redeemer, as the one who can forgive him from his sins. But unfortunately, he did not have hopes for forgiveness or pardon from God. The word used in the Greek text in the, for the Gospel of St. Matthew did not mean he repented. The Greek word metania, which means repented, was not used. But rather he was remorseful. What's the difference between repentance, metania, and remorse? Metania is a Greek word means to change the mind or to change the purpose. Meta means to change. Noia from the word denus means mind. So repentance means a person will change his mind, will change his direction. But the word that used for Judas, remorseful, means he carried a burden of sorrow over the past without changing his mind. He just became sorrowful without changing his mind. So, repentance means a change that will happen in the future from now on. But remorse is actually sorrow for the past with no hope in the future. So we can say Peter repented, but Judas regretted. Peter repented, but Judas regretted. Yes, both Judas and Peter have betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. One denied him and one sold him. But Peter returned to the Lord Jesus Christ and was strengthened by this experience. Peter actually said to the Lord on the Last Supper, I am willing to die with you. Yes, the following day he denied him. But at the end of his life, Peter died for the Lord Jesus Christ, as he promised the Lord on the Last Supper, when he told him, I will die with you. Judas, however, hung himself in his despair. And as we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, later his rotting body fell and burst open. Scholar Origen says, if the unhappy man, Judas, had sought true repentance and observed due moderation in it, but by avoiding both extremes, presumption and despair, he might have heard a forgiving master speaking to him these consoling words, I will not the death of the sinner, but rather that he may be converted and still live. Definitely if Judas repented, the Lord would have forgiven him. Then St. Matthew from verse 6 explained how the chief priests reacted when Judas actually sent the, gave, gave them the money. Verse 6, but the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in it. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. The Jewish rulers 
concerned themselves not in the innocence of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they cared only about what to do with the money. Judas told them he is innocent, but they did not pay attention to this. Why? Because they cared only to secure his death. They wanted to kill him. But they were worried about what to do with this money because the money is price of blood. So these men who have the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ on their hands are worried about putting the money into the temple treasury. And they said we cannot put it into the temple treasury. So they purchased some land from a potter as a graveyard for foreigners who die in Jerusalem. They wanted to show their charity to strangers. But actually, St. Jerome said their intention was to disgrace Jesus. When the people say, why this field is called the field of blood, they will say, because we had a blasphemer here named Jesus who made himself God and he died and we purchased this field with his blood. It was the price of his blood. So they wanted actually their intention to keep alive in the mind of the people that he was sold by one of his own disciples. And he was delivered up to a disgraceful death. But the Lord actually abolished their counsel. God made them an instrumental in discovering their own wickedness. Because Judas, by returning the money, and the priest, by laying it out, raised to themselves an eternal monument. So this field of blood became a monument, not to disgrace the Lord Jesus Christ, but actually as a memorial for the deceit of Judas, the betrayer of Judas, and the lying and the conspiracy of the high priests. But this field, until now and until the second coming of Christ, will be a witness for the innocence of our Lord Jesus Christ. The very money for which the Lord Jesus Christ was sold became submissive to the purpose of mercy and kindness. So even the money of the price of his blood, this money used for mercy and kindness. Because the bodies of strangers now, the bodies of strangers who die in Jerusalem, now they have a place of rest in the field that's purchased by the price of, of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way, the souls of the strangers and foreigners have a place of rest and refuge in his blood when he shed his blood on the cross as a ransom price for the salvation of the whole world. Verse 9 then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Actually, in the Gospel of St. Matthew, Matthew mentioned ten prophecies that were fulfilled. 
three prophecies about the, the childhood of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 chapter 2 verse 15 and uh, chapter 18 and chapter 23 no sorry only two, two prophecies about his childhood chapter 1 verse 23 and chapter 2 verse 15 verse 17 18 and 23 then the prophecies about his ministry in galilee chapter 4 from verse 14 to 16 chapter 8 verse 17 chapter 12 from 17 to 21 chapter 13 verse 35 so now we have six prophecies two about his childhood and four about his ministry in Galilee. Then we have uh, his last week in Jerusalem, prophecy in chapter 21, verse 4 and 5, and uh, chapter 27, verse 9 and 10. And this will be the last prophecies that uh, St. Matthew mentioned in his gospel that were fulfilled. It is written here that, as it is mentioned by Jeremiah, but when actually you read the book of Jeremiah, you will not find this verse. So it is difficult to know which Old Testament passage St. Matthew is referring to in verse 9 and 10. But there are many interpretation or many uh, theories how to explain verse 9 and 10 when St. Matthew said as it's written by Jeremiah the prophet. The first one, it may be that his reference is to do Old Testament passages. Zechariah chapter 11 verse 12 and 13 and Jeremiah chapter 19 verse 11. So maybe St. Matthew combined these two prophecies and called them Jeremiah. But it is one taken from Zechariah and the other from Jeremiah. Another theory, some people says it is written by Jeremiah, but somehow this writing was lost. Because St. Jerome says he found it in uh, a writing of Jeremiah that is not canonical. A third theory that maybe Zechariah also had the name of Jeremiah, or they collect all these prophecies, the major prophet and minor prophet, in a book and call it Jeremiah, but it includes many, many uh, prophets, not only one book. Another theory that St. Matthew did not mention in the original text Jeremiah or Zechariah. Only he mentioned as it is written by the prophet. Then the name of Jeremiah was added later. The last theory that St. Matthew he was not citing or quoting exact word. But he was giving to us the sins of the prophet. How he was ordered to cast the pieces of money into the house of the Lord and then to cast them to the potter, which became true by the fact that Judas cast the money into the temple and then they purchased the potter's field. So all these are different theories how to explain uh, verse 9 and 10 because he said according to Jeremiah but uh, such uh, prophecy you can find it actually in Zechariah and part of it in Jeremiah from verse 11 St. Matthew goes back to the trial before Pontius Pilate now we finished the three religious trials 
before Hanan, before Qayafa, and then before the council of Sanhedrin. Then they took him to Pilate. This was actually the first trial. As I told you, there are three several trials. One before Pilate, then one before Herod, then another one before Pilate. Now, verse 11, now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. Many things are omitted by St. Matthew in the account of this trial. But you can find the full detail of the trial in, in the other Gospels, Mark, Luke, and John. You can actually find a full account in John chapter 18 from verse 28 to verse 40. When they took the Lord Jesus Christ, he took him in the morning. So the first hour is 7 a.m. So it was probably about 7 a.m. that they presented themselves to Pilate, hoping that he would order uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ to put to death without any inquiry, without any trial because they unanimously, they accused, as he said, he deserves death. Uh, and in order to convince the Lord, Je uh, sorry, Pontius Pilate to execute the Lord Jesus Christ, they told him that Jesus said, I am the king of the Jews. Because if they told him, Jesus said, I'm the Messiah, this wouldn't bother Pontius Pilate as a, a civil and a Mediterranean uh, governor. What Pontius Pilate would care about if they told him that Jesus claims himself as a king, because this will be a threat to the Roman Empire. That's why the accusation against the Lord Jesus Christ before Pontius Pilate, as mentioned in the four Gospels, are plenty. We can say there are six accusations they made before Pontius Pilate against the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. As we read in Matthew 27, 11, Luke 23, 2, and John 18, 33. The second accusation, he is misleading the people by opposing the payment of taxes to Caesar, as we read in Luke 23, verse 2. Number three, he claims to be the Messiah, as we read in Luke 23, verse 2. Number four, he claims to be the Son of God, and according to the Jewish law, he ought to die, as we read in John 19, verse 7. The fifth accusation, he is inciting the people to rebel with his teaching, as we read in Luke chapter 23, verse 5 and verse 14. And the last one, he opposes Caesar, as we read in John chapter 19 and verse 12. So, they presented six accusations. But the one that interested Pontius Pilate is that he is the king of the Jews. That's why Pontius Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? The Lord Jesus did not attempt to defend himself. And this was a fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 that he was silent before those who accused him. The Lord responded by saying, you say so. It's the same response that we read it in Matthew 26, verse 25 to Judas, and also 
in Matthew 26, verse 64 to Caiaphas. The governor, Pontius Pilate, marveled greatly because of the patience and silence of the Lord Jesus Christ. His impressive silence moved Pontius Pilate greatly. So Pontius Pilate was able to detect that it was envy that excited the Jewish priest against him and triggered the Jewish priest to deliver the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12, And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? He, 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 as if he said, Can't you defend yourself? But the Lord Jesus Christ, he answered him not one word so that the governor marveled greatly. So he, he was marveled by his uh, silence. Apparently, at first glance, he saw that Jesus was not likely to be a pretender of royalty in any sense. That's why he did not trouble himself with this accusation. And now the, he wanted to release the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read in verse 15, Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? He asked them this question, hoping to release the Lord Jesus Christ. For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. He knew he was innocent, and it is just the envy. We don't know when the practice of releasing a prisoner at the Passover began. We don't know when this practice started. And also we don't know whether it is a Jewish practice or a Roman practice. In John chapter 18, Gospel of John chapter 18, verse 40, we are told that Barabbas is revolutionary, and in Mark, in the Gospel of St. Mark, he said also he is a murderer, in Mark chapter 15, verse 7. Barabbas, Bar means son, Abbas, word Abba, means father. So Barabbas means son of father. So here actually there is a beautiful meaning. Barabbas is a symbol of all of us, the guilty humanity, the guilty human race, who deserved death. Barabbas deserved death because he was a murderer. But he was released from punishment because the Lord Jesus Christ substituted him. And the Lord Jesus Christ substituted us and we were released. And we became children of the Father, Barabbas, son of the Father. So, when the Lord replaced or substituted Barabbas, there is a symbol here, as he substituted Barabbas, he substituted all of us. And we, we were released and we became adopted by God. Pilate expected to release one to the people. And this was his last attempt 
to release the Lord Jesus Christ and to shift off from himself the burden of responsibility. So now the people will decide which one will be released. He knew that Jesus, although he was condemned by the chief priests, he knew that he was popular among the people. That's why he was hoping that the people will say, release Jesus. That's why he attempted in this manner to rescue the Lord Jesus Christ from the hand of the priests. Because he expected the people would prefer the Lord Jesus Christ over a robber and murderer Barabbas. And he found that the real motive was envy. The, the chief priests were afraid to lose influence and power because they saw the fame of the Lord Jesus Christ became growing and growing. Then actually, the only person who defended the Lord Jesus Christ was Pilate's wife. We read in verse 19, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that just man. For I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. The chair of judgment or judgment seat was placed on a mosaic foundation and was necessary to the official action of any regional ruler. So to make official statement or judgment has to be seated on this uh, chair of judgment. Dreams were considered as indication of the divine will, especially among the Romans and Greek, as well as the Jews. They put great reliance on dreams. This dream was sent by God that there might be a public testimony from a Gentile woman of the justice and innocence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, the voice of this one Gentile woman was the only voice that interceded for Christ and defended him. Verse 20, But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. The chief priests asked the people to ask for Barabbas to be released. Barabbas, the one who raised a revolution and committed murder. And they asked the people to say, destroy Jesus, whose voice was never heard in their streets, who during three years and a half was moving without being tired from village to village and instructing the ignorant, healing the diseased and raising the dead. 
And here we can see how the people were greatly influenced by the chief priests. So Pilate, wishing on this occasion to show the Jews the enormity of their crime, he told them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. On Hosanna Sunday, they praised him and said, Osanna inside, Osanna son of David. And they acknowledged him as gift from God. And now they prefer a murderer to him. The Jewish nation had not only rejected their Messiah, but it chose a rubber instead of him. So it was really the wish of Pontius Pilate to release the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he plainly saw there was nothing laid to his charge for which, uh, according to the law, Roman law, he can condemn him to death. But they said, let him be crucified, let him be crucified. Crucifixion was a Roman punishment inflicted on the meanest and worst of men as wicked servants, thieves, robbers, murderers. Because crucifixion, not only a torturing and painful death, but a very shameful, humiliating and accursed one. Pontius Pilate asked them, what evil has he done? They could not answer this question. Because he had done nothing. And they knew that he had done nothing. But they were determined to put him to death. St. Luke in his Gospel informs us that Pontius Pilate put this question to them three times. He was anxious to release him. But he should not negotiate with a mob. He lost his power when he started to negotiate with a mob. The utterly unreasonable only demand uh, the move fervently that Jesus be crucified. And the more they saw Pontius Pilate inclined to favor him and pleaded for him, attested to his innocence, the more loud, outrageous, and urgent they were to have him crucified. And it was his duty to keep the order, especially on a day like this, because it was a feast day. Then, how Pontius Pilate reacted. Verse 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all to release the Lord Jesus Christ, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So, Pilate submitted to the verdict of the crowd. But in a symbolic act, he washed his hand as a sign that he does not acknowledge that Jesus deserved to die. And the Jews clearly understood the washing of hand as Pilate protesting the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pilate washed his hand partly 
to relieve his own conscience and partly to satisfy his wife and maybe also as the last appeal to uh, the people to release the Lord Jesus Christ. But their reply was, His blood be on us and on our children. No more fearful request is recorded in the history of mankind like this one. And we can see until now uh, the shame and the misery that for centuries after the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they suffered shame and misery for centuries until now, because they said, His blood be upon us and on our children. Pontius Pilate, as I said, he was a Roman governor. And according to the Roman law, if anyone is condemned to the cross, he should be scourged first. He should suffer the punishment of scourging. That's why he scourged him, scourged him first. Maybe also by scourging him, he wished by this severity of scourging the Lord Jesus Christ to soften the mind of the Jews and they will accept that he will be scourged and that's it without being crucified. So also he was attempting to liberate the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse 27, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. The trial of the Lord Jesus Christ was taking place outside of the palace. As we read in John chapter 18, verse 22, the Jews would not enter the palace because they, if they enter the palace, they cannot eat the Passover. That's why the trial was done outside the palace. When we read, they gathered a garrison. Garrison is 600 men. But St. Matthew, maybe he did not intend that they gathered 600 men around the Lord Jesus Christ. But he meant that all the soldiers around him came from the same uh, garrison. These soldiers who gathered around him to torment him from the same garrison. So he was led by the soldiers away from the Jews who attended the trial. And previous to the scourging, all his clothes has been pulled off. Then they put, uh, instead of the other robes, they arrayed him in a red robe, which is the ordinary military cloak like a king. Since he was charged with rebellion against the empire by claiming to be king of the Jews. John and Mark mentioned purple robe. So, these soldiers were very disrespectful to him by dressing or arraying him in this purple or red robe. They added more mockery of him 
uh, and they did not know that he is the king of kings and in carrying out their mockery also they put a crown on his head but not a real crown Palestine was a country thickly set with thorn and bushes so it was not difficult to find plants to do a crown of thorns and after they arrayed him in royal robe and they put the crown of thorns on his head they put reed like scepter of kingdom in his hand and they knelt and bowed before him to ridicule him also they spat upon him and this is the deepest disrespect and insult and to increase their disrespect and insult to the Lord Jesus Christ they took the reed from his hand and one after another as they passed they struck him with the reed on his head and with every blow they were driving the thorns deeper into his flesh uh, St. Luke mentioned more details of what happened on the way to Golgotha but we cannot find them in other Gospels only St. Luke for example he mentioned great company of people and of women followed him how the Lord Jesus Christ addressed the women who were crying and told them don't cry over me and the last warning of the coming sorrow and the leading of the two thieves with the Lord Jesus Christ only St. Luke recorded this but St. Matthew in verse 31 we read and when they had mocked him they took the robe off him put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified now as they came out they found a man of Cyrene Simon by name him they compelled to bear his cross and when they had come to a place called Golgotha that is to say place of a skull they gave him sour wine mingled with gold to drink but when he had tasted he would not drink uh, St. John actually in his gospel added another account that Pontius Pilate after scourging the Lord Jesus Christ he attempted again to rescue him as if he told them here is a man I scourged him this is enough release him but they asked to be crucified uh, and when he sa- said to them when Pilate said to them this is a man as if he is saying to them is this not enough but the cries of crucify him crucify him were doubled and Pontius Pilate out of fear and concern for his throne he passed the final sentence that Jesus to be crucified if you read Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1 and 2 you can see how Isaiah prophesied about the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ and the passion of the Lord it was the custom for men condemned to die by crucifixion to carry their cross which the Lord Jesus Christ did through the city but apparently he was very tired he was awake all the day scourging so he was very tired so now a man from Cyrene Cyrene was a city in Libya in Africa west of Egypt 
there were many Jews living in Cyrene, in Libya, and they were in the habit of going to Jerusalem, especially during feast day, Passover. They compelled Simon uh, because the Lord Jesus Christ was sinking beneath the burden of the cross. And the soldiers began to fear that he might die before they reached the place of execution. That's why they compelled Simon to carry. Uh, St. Luke in his Gospel showed that Simon only bore uh, the after part of the cross, the, the behind part of the cross, the lighter end, which was dragging on the ground. So the Lord was carrying from the front and Simon helped, you know, from the back of the cross. They took him to a place called Golgotha. Golgotha is the Aramaic name of the crucifixion site, which was called uh, Skull. means Skull. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and John mentioned this name was called Golgotha, but St. Luke, he called it Cranion, Cranion. Cranion is a Greek word for skull. So Aramaic, Golgotha, in Greek, Cranion. Uh, Latin is Calvary. Calvary, actually. That's why in English it's translated Calvary. So the skull in Latin Calvary, in Greek Cranion, in Aramaic Golgotha. Uh, and we read it in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 23, verse 33. Uh, St. Matthew and St. Mark explicitly state that Golgotha is outside Jerusalem. St. John said it is near the city, but it is outside uh, Jerusalem. Many fathers believe it is called Golgotha because a skull, because Adam's skull was buried there. Also, the, the Golgotha is part of a mountain called Moriah. Moriah is where Abraham was ready to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. They used to give them vinegar to reduce their pain. Uh, so, in some copies it is written sour wine, in some copies written vinegar. Uh, in St. Mark, he wrote wine mixed with myrrh. Here, we read it gold. Myrrh known with its bitterness. And the gold also is the bitter discharge of the liver from the gold bladder. But the word gold refers to any bitter substance. When they mix the wine with myrrh, this mixture actually was prepared to reduce the pain of those who were to die violent death like crucifixion. So the Roman soldiers continued their abuse of the Lord Jesus Christ and mixed the gold or the bitter um, myrrh with uh, the sour wine or vinegar and uh, they, they give the Lord Jesus Christ to drink. Actually, uh, we read in Psalm 69, verse 21, a prophecy about how they give him uh, vinegar during the time of his death. Uh, but Jesus, when he tested it, he refused to take it. But another time on the cross, this was before he was crucified, but on the cross, when he said, I am thirsty, they give him again vinegar to drink just before he uh, dies on the cross. But here before the crucifixion, 
Our Lord Jesus Christ tasted it, but he wouldn't drink. He refused. He refused to drink it not because it tastes better, but he did not want to lessen his suffering. He wanted to bring the cup of suffering to its end. So the purpose to drink the cup, the cup which his father had given him to the last drop, and to choose to trade, to trade the wine press alone, as we read in Isaiah, in the prophecy of Isaiah. Uh, so let's stop at verse 34 here. Uh, this almost is a sh- uh, half of the chapter. Glory be to God for ever and ever.